looks like everything is live and working. It's been a couple weeks, but I still haven't lost anything except my mind. But to be fair, I never had that to begin with. That's why I'm putting myself out there on the internet. Only crazy people are on the internet. I keep looking off to my right because, well, that's where some of my chat stuff is because, well, that's how things are going. And exciting stuff here at Joe's Disc Golf. Well, first of all, welcome, everybody. It's been a couple weeks, but I'm back in the saddle again. I'm back in black. Back to do it. I don't know what else. I don't. I don't know any other songs that have you coming back to something. But I am here and ready to go. I'm all full of coffee and jacked up on caffeine and ready to go. It's been a lot. Oh, so many. So many things have been happening in the last couple weeks here in disc golf. Forget about my life. Disc golf has been crazy. But welcome to Joe's Disc Golf Podcast. The usually weekly podcast here hosted in my lovely beautiful basement here and you can kind of see the lights in the background upgraded some of the lights it's amazing what you can do with a few light bulbs from home depot not even kidding why spend the money on those crazy expensive studio lights when you can spend a combined total of let's see between the light bulbs and then the shop light things you can probably spend about $15. I think I spent $30 between the two lights, which I don't think you can buy a reasonable light between for $30. If you're talking about studio quality and coming from the medical profession, slap medical on it. And those $10 scissors are now $40. So I have a feeling it's about the same here. But that is, uh, you know, a little tangent that I'm going on. Welcome sitting behind the beautiful wooden desk here sponsored by Log. What rolls downstairs? A loner in pairs rolls over your neighbor's dog. What's great for a snack and it fits on your back? It's Log, Log, Log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. Log from Blamo. Not a real product. Just like our other sponsor here, our anti-tree spray. Spray that all over your disc. Coat your trusty trusty disc in Joe's anti-tree spray and watch as your discs magically avoid all the trees and go right to the basket. Well, they only go right to the basket if you manage to put in Joe's patented magnet into the side of your disc. It might change the weight. It might be illegal and it might not actually be real. I'll let you be the uh, final judge on that one there. So much is going on. So much disc golf was played. Actually, not really for me. Uh, these last couple weeks uh, with my job working at a high school doing sports medicine, two a days have started here in Indiana. And that means I went from working um, not too much over the summer because high school sports don't do all that much over the summer to about 12 to 13 hours a day for the last uh, two weeks straight. Roughly, I had Sundays off. And the last thing I wanted to do was spend time away from my wife, considering I've spent a lot of time away from my wife because of work. So unfortunately, the podcast went to the wayside and you guys were short on some news. I was kind of silent on Instagram and Twitter, but I am back here again working 
hard to bring you the news, working hard to get better at disc golf and working hard to drink a cup of coffee. The Angels have the box. For those of you listening on the audio version, I have a very, very nice Doctor Who cup mug here where one of the Weeping Angels is holding on to the TARDIS. And if that is all far too nerdy for the rest of you out there, well, I'll bring it back around to disc golf. The other really cool, really nerdy-ish sport got out there, played a little bit. They started in our area. They started a Sunday night league, which is absolutely fantastic. The guy running it plays college football. He plays for an NAIA school in the area. And the only day he can get out, he wants to play tournaments. He wants to play sanctioned rounds. We're all fighting hard here to get our rounds in, trying to get our points to qualify for Worlds next year in Evansville. I think it's Worlds. Might be Nationals. Either way. In Evansville, Indiana, just a couple hours away from here, the closest worlds will be for a while. So we're all scrambling hard to get our 1500 points. I don't think I will make the cut, unfortunately. Uh, I will be really close. That's that's the part that's the most frustrating is I will be very close to getting it as it stands right now. Let's see. Where am I at? How are my points doing here? I have this year. 610 points. Uh, I've got a big one coming up here. I've got a B tier coming up here in the Three Rivers Open. Very exciting. Very fun to watch there. It's going to be exciting. I believe it's a B tier or is it a C tier? Let's click on it and find out. It is sanctioned. Uh, PDGA website B tier. There it is. Nailed it. Should be getting some points there. Hopefully I do better than I did at uh, some of these other tournaments here. My 46th place finish at the Clash of the Canyons 5 amateur side was rather disappointing. Mostly not where I finished, but how I played. And that's that's the part that kind of frustrates me. Uh, the 14th place at River City Open was actually about what I kind of expected. Um, did pretty well with that one. Uh, playing a course almost blind, played one round at each course for the one day before. So it was just rather difficult not to know exactly where to to go. I'll be getting some points here for the um, for our summer sanction series on Tuesdays. But with work, I can't make that. And moving on to the end of summer sanction singles. We like the alliteration here. That's a lot of fun. Sunday evening. So much fun to play that. It's the only time I can make out any league. So getting out with some friends playing. Played all right. Didn't do great. Didn't do bad. Managed to shoot four down while taking a triple and a single bogey. So I had four strokes, and that includes going OB on one of them. I had a terrible drive that stayed inbounds, had a beautiful upshot that skipped right under the basket and rolled into the creek. So I was OB by less than a foot. Seems to be my MO right there. If I'm going OB, I'm only OB by a foot or less. It's it's rather frustrating. I'd rather, if I'm going to go OB, go big. I'm going to go all the way, you know. But that's how I just do things. When I go OB, I go half-assed. I don't go full-assed. That's just how that goes. But moving on to other topics here. We got stuff to talk about. We've got, oh, Brody Smith is just a fountain of content. Let me tell you, people. First of all, he was not at Idlewild because of COVID, if you haven't heard. But it sounds like he was able to uh, beat it. 
He is a younger, fit, healthy individual. So overall, it wasn't too bad for him. Not trying to diminish the Rona, but he was able to beat it. It sounds like he said uh, on Twitter or Instagram, I forget which. I believe it was Twitter. He uh, he is having a little bit of issues with his endurance. He said that uh, he went out and played around yesterday and he was dog tired. His endurance was completely shot, which makes sense. It's an upper respiratory thing and it kind of kills you like that. That's that's just kind of how that goes. Anybody who's ever had a cold or the flu or any upper respiratory infection knows that walking up a flight of stairs can feel like running a marathon. Trust me, it is not fun at all. But he also had some other things to say, commenting on the commentary for Disc Golf Network. Uh, He put out a poll asking if you would watch live disc golf if the commentators were better. I believe that was how that was worded. It wasn't the best phrased. uh, It wasn't the best phrased poll. I mean, it's something he threw out in about five seconds. So let's let's be real here. If any of us throw something out that fast. It's just not going to be great. The wording is going to be kind of all over the place. Not going to be maybe the most. um, Not not necessarily the best way to say things. And uh, unfortunately, things because they're on the Internet, things took a turn for the personal and people started personally attacking the various commentators that Disc Golf Network has, including uh, Nate. And while. I think he does a decent job just professionally. I I don't do live commentary. I know it's difficult. That's not something I do. Obviously, I'm live right now, but that's kind of different than trying to call a game live or a match live or around live. Very different thing. I'm not a huge fan, but I think as things go on, he is getting better. It's one of those things where practice makes perfect. And Unfortunately, people were taking that to the nth degree and personally attacking him. It's one thing to say to someone like, hey, you know, professionally saying it in a nice way, like, hey, you know, you do all right. These are, you know, work on these three things and you'll get better. Now, going after someone and saying you personally suck and are a terrible human being is not helpful to anyone. That is just a terrible life choice. So if you criticize, someone who does something like that. And as I've said before, it's not easy to do. So what you need to do is, you know, take those constructive criticism, like make it a constructive criticism. Don't just go, you suck, jackass. You know, the happy Gilmore way. You just go, hey, here's where you can improve. This is something you do well, and this is where you can improve. I'm always trying to get better. I watch or listen to myself after these. And let me tell you, listening to your own voice after this podcast, watching what you do as you go around and and do all this kind of stuff, it is rather uncomfortable. And let me tell you, the first couple of times I was listening to myself, it was not great. But because of that, I think I've gotten better at podcasting. I think I've gotten better at this. I know I still have a long way to go. I'm no Joe Rogan, but I am a Joe, so I'm halfway there. That's one thing to do. That's one nice thing there. And so I I kind of agree with some of that. The post-produced stuff is a bit easier to 
to do some of the commentary on because you already kind of know what happened. That really does help. And yes, there are some surprises there. There, I mean, when uh, Big Germ and Yuli are doing their commentary, they're also playing. But on occasion, they are the card right behind the feature card or they're close enough where they can see what happened. Or maybe they're on the feature card for the first one. You know, maybe they're on the lead card or second card, whatever is going on. I mean, Jomez usually does lead card, but that is something that can happen there. And they have a good idea of what's going on. So it makes things a little different. And one thing I think that really helps is their chemistry together works. That's why I believe part of why Jomez is so successful. And I think some of the commentators there at, at Disc Golf Network, while they may be great friends, they could all be best friends. I don't know off the top of my head. But being a best friend and being friends and knowing how someone is versus the chemistry you have when you're live and talking and the back and forth, two completely different things, two very, very different things. So I think they just need to pay a little more attention and it could come down to scheduling. It could come down to being as simple as they don't have the... They don't have the manpower to have a whole bunch of extra people doing whatever, you know, commentary. And so that could be one of the issues there. But overall, I think they do a decent job. It's just one of those where it's like, all right, we need to pay a little more attention to what's going on with um, with. Uh, words are hard. It's a good thing I'm not a podcaster who's trying to talk all the time. You just have to have that good chemistry. And that's that's kind of how that goes. So that was the first Brody tweet controversy there. The second Brody tweet. Oh, I got to get my computer out of the background that. That's how I keep my notes. I know it was kind of behind me there. I was kind of looking over my shoulder. Now I need to have it in a better spot there. The next thing he talked about was how. They shouldn't have the commentator shouldn't focus as much on what disc the the disc golfers are throwing. You know, uh, you could say like, you know, oh, it's Eric McCabe is throwing the Emac Truth or Paul Macbeth is throwing his Undertaker here or Calvin Heimberg is throwing a destroyer. That gives you some information. And generally speaking, all those molds fly the same. Like if you buy a destroyer, if you buy a halo destroyer, generally speaking, all halo destroyers are going to fly about the same. If you buy a lucid emac truth, all lucid emac truths are going to fly about the same. Now there are slight variations run to run. Maybe you get um, one that's a little more domey, one that's a little more flat, something like that. But generally speaking, they're going to all fly brand new. They're all going to fly pretty similar. That's why you bought a Halo Destroyer. And at first I was like, well, I like knowing. I, I like knowing what they're throwing. It's a really cool thing to do. Go, oh, so that's how, you know, that Destroyer should fly. That's how an Undertaker should fly. That's how, you know, insert disc should fly. An FX2. Something along those lines. That's how those discs should fly. However, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, hang on a second. I, I do this all the time in my bag. Oh, hey, that's my justice that I throw on this. Then I want this type of shot. That's my less stable justice. 
I won't say understable justice because that is an oxymoron. But I do that all the time where I go, all right, this is my less stable justice. So I know if I put it on an Anheuser release, it's going to stay Anheuser for a lot longer than my other justice, which will come and fight back a lot sooner, which given whatever situation, I might want one versus the other. That's just how it goes. We all have that. And the more I thought about it, the more I go, all right, so I don't play as often as these pros do. The pros might have six different justices. You know, they've got their understable one, their medium stability one, their overstable one, their crazy overstable one. They're one that they don't care if they throw it in the water because it's been in their bag forever and it doesn't really matter anymore. They're, you know, whatever, their throwaway, their their generosity disc, as I want to call it sometimes, where you just generously give it to the OB and to the water and the Loch Ness Monster is now playing with your disc. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, telling me what they're doing, what disc they're throwing, doesn't really help me out at all. Because I, it doesn't matter. Like, and they're on top of their, the levels of beat in and how much their discs have been used. That's one thing. On top of that, I guarantee Calvin Heimberg's arm speed is much better, much faster than mine. I guarantee Paul McBeth's form is better than mine. That's why he is. That's why all the pros are that good. All the top level touring pros are that good. Whether it's men or women, their arm speed is on the men's side. I can almost guarantee their arm speeds faster on the women's side. It might be closer. Some might be a little faster. Some might be a little slower, but their technique, their form, everything is so much better than than what mine is. And so I know that what they're throwing isn't necessarily what I should be throwing and expecting the same results. On top of that, as I mentioned, getting all the uh, the level of wear and tear on the disc affects the flights. The, the older the disc is, the more you used it, the more trees it's hit, the less stable it's going to be. That's just kind of how disc golf works. That's how it how it goes. And so what I would. What Brody's point was, was that you should the announcer should say things like, oh, this is his flippy mid-range. This is his stable distance driver. This is his overstable. This is crazy overstable distance driver. If you're talking about something that's naturally crazy overstable, something like the West Side Adder or the Latitude 64 Stiletto, something that is going to be crazy overstable. Or then you could say this is his, you know, stable disc, something like a Raider or a Destroyer. Then you could say, hey, this is the neutral disc. This is like a, a neutral slash understable, something like a, a Trespass or maybe a Wraith. I think Wraith might be a little more understable, but you get what I'm saying. Like saying that, OK, they're throwing a whatever doesn't mean as much as it would to say he's throwing his understable his flippy distance driver. Now that's been in his bag for five years and it is crazy understable. And he only throws it downhill with a 40 mile an hour tailwind. Okay, cool. That actually tells me a lot more than saying he just threw a, what's something understable off the top of my head, a captain. He just threw a captain dynamic disc captain. Cool. Whatever. Like I, you know, I, 
I get where Brody's saying it. And people were trying to say, well, you know, why would they, why would they do that? You know, that's, yeah, I like knowing what disc it is. And, and my point still stands. And I think it's similar in the vein. If we all think about it and really just think about it. Yeah. It's kind of cool to know uh, what they're throwing, but if you really want to, everybody does an in the bag, myself included. I've done an in the bag. I didn't do a 2021 in the bag. Should I do a 2021 in the bag here at the end of August? Let me know in the comments below. However, everybody doesn't in the bag. So if you really want to know, everybody goes, hey, you know, here's my bag. This is my this. This is my understable blah, blah, blah. This is what I throw this for. This is my this and that and everything else. So if you really want to know, you can find out. It's really not that difficult. It doesn't take much effort. And I think it would I think it would help people more because you'd be able to buy a disc that would better suit you. So if you are someone new starting out and you see Calvin ripping on a destroyer and just watching that thing go, if you're a new player, that's not how that's going to go. You're going to buy a destroyer. It's going to hyzer out after 100 feet, probably. And you're going to think that the uh, destroyer is a terrible disc when it really isn't. It just it doesn't match your skill level. It doesn't match your arm speed. Any disc can be a really good disc if it matches what you need it to do. Now, when I was just starting out, I had some overstable and some high speed drivers that you wouldn't necessarily put in someone with a slower arm, but I used them for those overstable shots when I needed the disc to go left or well, I was mostly a forehand player. So when I needed the disc to go hard right, I would take something out like that. So you can find use in that, but you have to understand that it's not what it's not going to fly how they're going to how they throw it. What really is helpful is pretty much everybody does those flight charts on there and go, all right, a beginner, it's going to do this, a an intermediate advanced player. It's going to kind of go up and do that. And then a distance person or a, a pro tour guy, it's going to go and do one of those. It's going to do an S and you're going to get a lot of flight out of that. But you know, that's that's kind of where I'm I'm at with that. And they're saying, well, you know, this is how this is and this is how that is. And it's just uh, it's just oop, hit the microphone there. It's just frustrating a little bit. And I kind of see it. And now that I hear everybody talking about it and I hear them saying that it's getting a little more noticeable and i i know it's a hard habit to break because we all do it how many times do you go out and you watch someone throw a great shot and go oh wow what what did you throw there oh that was my blah 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 and it flies like this you know obviously like that i've had it for two years and it's nice and beat in and it's perfect where i want it you don't always get that context with the live stuff so i'm thinking hey like i said rather than saying what it is say that it is their flippy xyz by abc you know that's that's kind of where i'm at morning dave hopefully you're enjoying the random rants here that i'm going through and oh youtube you're being uh youtube you're being a little pain in the butt to say the least uh all right and the last thing (laughs) 
Like I said, Brody Smith is a fountain of content here because the next thing he said or the next thing that happened is he had a special stamp, uh, Dark Horse. I think it was Crystal Zones that just released yesterday and the Janus Thrashers. And someone had made a comment on Twitter saying, why the hell is your wife getting a stamp? She doesn't even play disc golf. And his response was, you clearly don't understand business. And he's right. I mean, they're saying people are saying like, oh, um, Phil Mickelson's wife doesn't have a line of drivers. Well, Phil Mickelson doesn't have a line of drivers either. He'll go out there and, you know, I don't I don't I don't know that much about golf. I do know a few companies, so it could be something as simple as, hey, check out Phil Mickelson. He uses a Titleist, blah, blah, blah. And as his driver, and that's why he drives it 350 yards dead straight on a rope where disc golf it's a little different it's you get marketed you get discs marketed it's a little different like that so people are trying to make the comparisons between um golf ballers and disc golf and it just it's not the same it there are a lot of similarities i'd say the sports are like 75 percent overlap however there are things like that where it just doesn't it's not the same. Like everybody can get their own special stamp. That's how people pay for their touring pros. That's how things like that go along. Now people are going, well, why she's not a touring pro. She's not getting this. She's not getting that. Her following on disc on uh, Twitter and Instagram and people who, who look at her and see that, you know, she's always with Brody, obviously they're married, blah, blah, blah. But they're going, all right, well, I want a Janice stamp disc. I'm going to go out. I'm going to buy a Janice thrasher. Because, you know, I want the stamp because it's cool. I like the Janus theme that they're going with. I like whatever. I want a Thrasher. Doesn't matter. Discraft gets a ton of money. It's simple. It's basic economics. You put it out there. You put her name on it and they're gone. You know, I don't know what they're charging. 25, 30 bucks. Say they give five bucks to her. And then it costs on average five bucks between shipping and processing and stamping and all that crap they just made 20 bucks a disc i don't know and it's probably a limited run so they might even charge even more of a premium and discraft is just like all right i will here i'm printing money i have a money printing machine here that just prints out janice themed discs that's why it's really it's not that complicated i I just it blows my mind or people are like well she doesn't play she doesn't tour But she's got a huge following and Discraft saw an opportunity to make money because they're a company. You think that if Titleist thought they could make a ton of money by throwing Phil Mickelson's wife with one of their drivers, one of their clubs, you think they wouldn't do it in a heartbeat? You bet they would. (laughs) It's just not like it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Discraft is like, I want money. Okay, we're going to put this on there. Any one of those company Innova dynamic latitude anybody i mean why do you think they have touring pros they're out there promoting their discs they're promoting their brand and they're paying you know they're paying the guys to do it and girls but that's why they're out there they're trying to make money that's how this goes like it's just it blows my mind a little bit that some people can be a little dense when it comes to this stuff so if Discraft or Discmania or Dynamic Discs or Innova or anybody thinks that they can make money by slapping somebody's name or something on a disc, they will because that's what they can do. 
because now you got people going there, going to Discraft and going, all right, well, I'm here. Uh, oh, it's flat rate shipping or I don't know how they do it. It's like either flat rate or, you know, spend $50 and then you get free shipping. OK, well, I guess I'll also throw in uh, one of these. And I, oh, I was kind of looking to get one of these. Oh, oh, I'll get another one of those. And suddenly they're spending $100 and now they're driving more people to their site to get more discs. And it's just it's business. It's simple business. Business 101 right there. Make money put things, put stamps, put something on there. You got the collectors coming in, coming in, getting them and everybody's going to get them. But I think right now the well is starting to run a little dry with the crazy Brody drama that's happened here over the last uh, couple weeks. Now that I'm back in the swing of things, back with a normal schedule, I will be continuing to go at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe's Disc Golf. I'm on Facebook at Joe's Disc Golf. And there's also joesdiscgolf.com, WordPress blog that I've been neglecting. I'm trying to get better at that. But I think we're going to move on to the next topic, Idlewild. Okay, if you haven't watched this, you need to go watch at least the back nine of Idlewild for the final round. Oh, my God. I think at one point there were six, five, six people tied for first place. And. It, I, I, words are hard right now because it was insane um, going back and forth. It was I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Kyle Klein, Drew Gibson. Uh, Kevin Jones was right there. Um, Ricky was close. I think he ended up uh, going OB and that kind of cost him getting tied for first there. Uh, Andrew Marweed. Oh, God, there are a ton of people. And then just off that tied for uh, fifth, six, one stroke back. Essentially, there was another three or four guys just going back and forth and back and forth. And it was just so much fun to watch. Um Oh, and Freeman, uh, let's see. I'm trying to look through this article here on Alti World. They do a great summary. Uh, it, it's just, it was one of those where it was just so much fun to watch. Corey Ellis. Yes, thank you. It was, there were so many people there, and it was just so much fun to watch. And just seeing, like, okay, we could have, we could have a two, per, we have a, a playoff for first place. A three-way, four-way. How many people are going to play here? Uh, it's it's great with how great or how technical the course was, how fun the course was. I want Idlewild is one of those courses that is on my bucket list. I want to get out there. I want to play it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. But it was great to see that uh, Kyle Klein won it. He was making that big push last week at Ledgestone. And unfortunately, with the way the weather was, Things just didn't pan out for him. Um, they ended up canceling it because, you know, nasty weather was coming through. Nasty weather was rolling through. They had to cancel the last round of Ledgestone, even though, you know, people are saying like, oh, this this many people in the field already finished, but not everybody finished. And the PDGA has rules about how things happen, like if there's inclement weather, how you have to shut down for a certain amount of time. And then if you can't finish because of daylight, this is what happens in this. Like there are rules. There are things that are set up. Contingents like this is just what happens. Now, people are upset with how it went and saying, oh, why can't they just come back on Monday and play on Monday? Well, pretty much the entire field 
went um uh, excuse me uh pretty much the entire field was then going to ledgestone and they had to get out there and do that and get ready for that on top of that most of the people out there are running are running it are volunteers they have regular day jobs they can't just take monday off because they probably took most of the week before off at least some of the higher level volunteers there to help prep the course and get everything ready now it's unfortunate like i would have loved to see that finish and see how that would have gone but that's just how it goes that's where our sport is right now now maybe 10 years from now you might be able to get away with that you might have a contingent plan that offers a way to um, fulfill people's wants and desires. And I, the pros wanted to finish it out, too. Everything was going around and just being great. Like, it was a fun way to go. And hopefully there are some there is a little bit of talk to change things up for next year. Some rules, some of the things that have been proposed um, that I saw were things like, oh, let the top, let the lead card or finish up, come back that Monday. And, you know, it'd be a smaller thing where a couple people would just be there to finish out to get a first place finish. I thought it was pretty cool how uh, Ricky and Eagle were going to give whoever the trophy was, whoever won or whoever did better at Ledgestone or at uh, Idlewild. I always just cross them for whatever reason in my mind i always mix up ledgestone and idlewild maybe because they're back to back maybe because i don't know they're not even close to each other we're talking about peoria illinois and roughly cincinnati ohio well it's in kentucky burlington kentucky so it's close either way uh i thought it was a little funny that the first they had inclement weather come through on the first round and i was watching some disc golf network and just as Kyle Klein was going to step up to take a putt, the horn blows. I, I thought it was a little funny. Um, he was not very happy, but I think there's a little chuckle in there because how, how else would it happen? He kind of got screwed by the weather twice, but then he was able to practice that putt because you can warm up after everything's good. Um, as Dave pointed out, the interview with the Idlewild course designer before Jomez round two uh, was awesome to watch. Uh, I have not seen that yet. I need to watch that. I was watching a lot of the Disc Golf Network stuff, um, just trying to watch that, and it was just crazy. Oh, so much fun. On the women's side, a little less exciting. Uh, not, not to be... Uh, I mean, when you have that many people vying for first, it's always fun. Uh, Paige Pierce was able to catch up to Paige Shoe and end up taking down the Idlewild title uh it's good to see Paige kind of playing better i don't know if you know when uh kristen tatar was playing and kristen was kicking ass taking names i don't know if it was Paige getting in her own head or finally having someone who's like that really high level like and on top of that kristen is ranked third in the world uh with oh i forget the the two women over in europe but europe's got some tough ladies out there and i really hope that next year they can figure out a way to get them over here i know there are some issues with pandemic and that kind of stuff but i think if they can get them over here and play more than just the handful of tournaments that uh kristen played the women's field is gonna look really sick here oh it's going to be so much fun to watch that's one of my issues that I've talked about a lot 
with on the women's side that there's not enough parity at the top. At least for a while, it was oh, page one, page one, page one. Oh, Katrina Allen, page, 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 Katrina. And it's fun to watch those two fight back and forth, and it's great competition, but I think they need more, like the men's side, where there's more guys, there's more people playing, and especially now they're hitting a level of parity. Before it was, all right, uh, is it going to be it's heads or tails? Paul or Ricky, who's going to win? And then, oh, hey, there's Kevin Jones, Calvin Heinberg. James Conrad, and you can just start running down the list. You can start looking at some of these guys like Kyle Klein. He's, what, 17, I think, and people like that. And now on the women's side, they're getting more and more parity. You can see people like Macy Walker making a name for herself out there, kicking ass at the beginning of the year, uh, took some time off uh, to she wasn't quite a touring pro yet. Uh, She kind of is. She's in that weird phase right now where she's doing some bigger events, still kicking ass at regional events. And uh, she also got married over the summer. So I'm pretty sure if I, you know, any of you guys who are married, uh, she definitely put a lot of time and effort into her wedding, as most of our wives have. (laughs) It's their very big special day. And if you do anything to ruin it, you will be murdered after you're married because then they get your life insurance. But (laughs) that's just a joke. Don't worry. Uh, But in all seriousness, like she had other personal things to focus on. And I think next year she'll be a touring pro. We've got a couple other ladies up and coming that I really hope make a name for themselves out there on the women's side. That just makes disc golf even more fun to watch. But uh, Paige Pierce uh, almost aced hole 17, the thousand dollar hole for the women's side. I forget what hole it was on the uh, on the men's side, but also had a thousand dollar hole. No paying, just something they're doing. I I like seeing stuff like that. Uh, Paige Shu almost also did that as well. I believe on hole seventeen in the third round, and it was it was so much fun to watch. Like I always love those near aces, those ace runs. It's just so much fun because you're just watching it going, I don't know, maybe, maybe, oh yeah, 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 oh. Oh, not quite. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. But Idlewild, ton of fun to watch. Go watch the post-produced stuff if you don't have Disc Golf Network. And speaking of Disc Golf Network, USDGC announces their live pay-per-view package on the Disc Golf Network. Now, I'm not so upset with um, with the Disc Golf Network doing this and it being pay-per-view because the precedent has been set for USDGC and Innova to do pay-per-view events. They did it with, oh, what was their media deal? I forget off the top of my head which one it was, but they did their own thing and it was rough to to say the least. Now, hopefully with Disc Golf Network coming in and taking over that, now the pay-per-view, as far as I know, most of that money is going to end up going to Innova and USDGC, which I believe goes to the purse for the most part. And who knows? I mean, Winthrop could be gouging the crap out of Innova and trying to get this done because it is on a college course. So they could be just getting gouged to all high heavens and they just actually need to be able to afford to pay for it. But it was announced last week that it will be a pay-per-view event. There are two different passes that you can get. And this is USDGC and the women's throw pink. uh, What's the full title of that? 
Uh, it's women's throw ping. It's basically women's USDGC, but that happened technically earlier in the year, and now it's kind of like they've got two. Although I think the USWDGC should just potentially change their name and just we just go with throw pink. That's a whole separate, different thing. There are two levels of passes that you can buy for this: the fan pass and the gold pass. The fan pass, you get a 20% discount for Disc Golf Network subscribers and U.S. Disc Golf members. It's four days of live coverage of USDGC and Throw Pink Women's Championship. Now, I hope that this live coverage actually means live for both of them. I don't know how that's going to go because right now it's been you can watch all 18 of the men and then the back nine of the women or the front nine of the women. However, they do that. You're only getting nine of whatever it is and then you can watch all of the women and then the back nine of the men or however that goes you know however they decide to determine that and i get it there's not enough people there there's not enough money they're trying to cover all this stuff and hopefully disc golf network is going to grow even more which it's grown a lot so i'm hoping that in the next year or two they'll be able to have dedicated crews to be able to cover the men's and women's in its entirety so you'll also have exclusive access for the 30 days following the event, exclusive access to Disc Golf Network bonus content throughout the week, exclusive access to condensed next day coverage. So they're post-produced stuff. There is not going to be Jomez or Gatekeeper or Ace Run or Central Coast or any of those people. U.S. Disc Golf membership 2021 through 2022 through October of the following year. If you have the gold pass, you get four days of the live coverage. You get the exclusive access, you get bonus content, everything that you get from the fan pass, plus an official USDGC commemorative coin, an exclusive USDGC commemorative disc golf disc, $10 gift card to DGU, the official USDGC online pro shop, and again, the membership. So I think it's an interesting idea here. I don't know how well this is going to pan out. On top of that, uh, I believe Disc Golf Network had to pay as well to do that. So uh, Jeff Spring had this to say about the whole deal. We're thrilled to join the U.S. DGC media team to produce a live broadcast for one of the sport's most prestigious and important events. This is a special event to me personally, as I know it is for many disc golfers in the world. Uh, Many disc golfers. Let's try this again. As I know, in the disc golf world. We're so pleased to bring this to the Disc Golf Network platform. We've a move that delivers 20% discount to our DGN subscribers and allows them to watch through their preferred app platform, a benefit for an event that we're not able to offer in the past. So USDGC is happening October 6th through the 9th. Nice. At Winthrop Arena Course in Rock Hill, South Carolina. All those passes can be found on the Disc Golf Network. Still not a huge fan of the pay-per-view model, but if you have someone who is a DGN subscriber and it's now 20 bucks instead of, well, it's going to be 21 something, about 20 bucks, give or take, you get your 20% discount and you end up, you know, getting a couple guys together. You know, it's like a UFC fight. You know, yeah, it's an $80 pay-per-view, but you get 10 guys around. Yeah, I can pay eight bucks for it. You get five, six guys around, watch Disc Golf Network. Even if it's 25 bucks, you know, hey, it's it's five bucks. 
watch for four days, share your password, share all that stuff. It could be fun. I'm going to try to get some highlights and all that stuff. We'll see what happens. Hopefully I don't have. I'm going to try to uh, skirt that line of fair use, basically. Try to get you some highlights, get you some uh, recaps and going ons there. Try to watch all that. We'll see what happens. If all goes according to plan, uh, my first child will be born about three weeks before. So it may or may not be coherent because I may or may not be running on no sleep. So we'll see what happens there. Still on the fence, probably do the fan pass, you know, making all that big podcaster money there. That's a year's worth of podcaster money right there. Woo! Big times here on Joe's Disc Golf podcast. But if you're looking to make some more money here, uh, question here is uh, so from uh, Wallstar 20. So Joe Mez will cease to exist. No, as far as I know, um, Joe Mez will still be around. They're just not doing um, USDGC. Innova has that pretty tightly locked down right there. And uh, only DGN is going to be doing the coverage for that one. As far as I know, Joe Mez is going strong. I mean, they do great stuff there. I don't think Joe Mez will fold. Uh, if anything, they might. Someone might try to buy him out would be my guess and i don't foresee that happening anytime in the near future i believe jomez is going to be around for a long long time in some form or fashion as it stands right now for the next i'd say next three years at least jomez will be just how we know it right now jomez is going to be jomez you're going to go out and you're going to watch all your post-produced stuff and all the other stuff that they do on top of that you know their practice rounds and all that that'll all still be there this pay-per-view package is just for USDGC and the women's throw pink championship. I think that what's going to end up happening is hopefully this sounds bad. Hopefully this pay-per-view thing doesn't go that well. Hopefully they don't do it too much and that they'll see that um, it's just not financially worth it. Like I, I don't wish failure onto disc golf network. I wish failure onto the pay-per-view model. <laughs> that's 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 where I'm at right there. Like I don't I don't like pay-per-view. And with this this being probably the most prestigious event in disc golf, it's unfortunate that one of the best courses in the world, one of the best tournaments in the world, is paywalled off. Like I I just it's frustrating a little bit. I would love to see some GK or um gatekeeper or jomez coverage post-produced coverage maybe you know if <laughs> sign some deal where it can't come out for a month after you know that exclusive access to disc golf network and then people wait and then they can watch it but something that would really get people in here one of the biggest things here i would argue it's bigger than worlds i mean worlds was exciting this year but generally speaking i'd say this is probably one of the biggest tournaments around and it's just it would be a great way to get more people into at least watching disc golf, if not playing disc golf and you're, you're locking it off. So uh, it's just, it's frustrating. Um, yes. Uh, Wallstar, it especially, it says, especially one of the biggest appeals in growing the sport is that it is free to play. Um, I, I think that there is a way to do it. Like I think, 
uh, Disc Golf Network has kind of found a way to get that live coverage because nobody else does live coverage to get that live coverage out there to do that, to get those rights. I'm OK with charging. Well, if you're a PDGA member, five bucks a month. If you're not 10 bucks a month, I'm OK with that. It's just. A pay-per-view event like this, it's. uh, Yeah. Um. Hello, Mr. Tight Films. And uh, he says, I agree with Brody on this. I think with the small community, it hurts more than it helps. I think so, too. And I, I think that before it got with Disc Golf Network, when they were doing it with, I forget what other company, but it's been the last two years that they've done it that way. So it's just kind of like, oh, great. We could be getting more people in watching this. This is a great course to watch, but. You know, that's I guess that's kind of how that goes. But if you're looking to make some more money to be able to afford that gold pass or maybe even the fan pass, there is a new job posting at the PDGA website that uh, if you're going to be the International Disc Golf Center assistant, you're an assistant to the regional manager. Uh, The ideal candidate would be energetic, self-motivated professional who seeks to be part of the hardworking team that manages and maintains the home of the PDGA headquarters, a fully stocked pro shop, three championship caliber disc golf courses, and much more. So if you're interested in moving out there to Georgia, I believe, you can go out there and, well, work for the PDGA yourself. Applications will be accepted through September 12th and the projected start date would be October 1st. You can go find all that information out on the PDGA.com. It's under their announcements if you want to work for the PDGA. So you'd be the person running everything, it seems. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of. It's kind of interesting here. Uh, Zach has an, uh, says that I'm getting uh, Innova is getting all kinds of bad looks lately from the way that they've been snubbing Dismania uh, to this uh, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's always interesting when you have a pretty sizable company getting discs from a bigger company um, like basically like the deal that uh, Discmania and Innova had. Now, Discmania has broken off uh, to a certain extent with the way the plastic shortages and all the shortages and how everything's been selling out like instantly. I'm not surprised. And from a just looking at it from a business side, a purely professional by the numbers money wise, it makes sense why Innova did what it did, how they... They prioritize making their own discs over Discmania and any of their other side brands that they make discs for because it makes them more money. And I totally get that. It's kind of frustrating that happened. Uh, reading some articles from the uh, past month or two, it sounds like this was kind of a long time coming and the pandemic just kind of sped that up. So now Discmania is making their own thing. It's kind of interesting to see that uh, Latitude 64, I believe their their factories are essentially down the street from each other in uh, Sweden. Yes, Sweden. Nailed it. Helps when you have a Latitude 64 disc right next to you. The first run trust. It's a good disc. 
It's a lot of fun to throw. Um, but they're right down the street helping them out, helping them get things settled and getting them to do to just basically get on the right path to be able to make their own discs. So what you'll see here on the PDGA uh, page is going to be a ton of Discmania discs being reapproved because they're going to be very similar, but not identical to what Innova did for them because Innova basically um, just took like, Hey, let's uh, let's take the top half of the mold from the boss and put it on the bottom half of the destroyer and see what we get. Hey, look at that. It's a distance driver or, you know, let's take the AVR bottom and put it with the destroyer. Um, uh, top and just see what happens kind of thing so they mix and match it was all hodgepodge so what Discmania is doing is making their own things making their own discs from the ground up so they have to approve every single one of them it'll be interesting to see what Innova does with those hodgepodge molds because there's some good stuff in there uh, there's a lot of stuff there uh, Discmania also has to make the uh make their plastic again so when you buy new disc mania stuff in the next couple months here it's not going to be exactly the same as their plastic was before it's going to be very close they've hired chemical scientists chemical engineers and they're they're trying to reverse engineer and make the plastic as close as possible to what they're used to doing but it's not going to be the same because innova owns those recipes and isn't sharing them you know they're not patented or anything but they're not sharing. They don't have to share. Uh, the good thing for Discmania is that they own the rights to the names of the disc. So they'll be able to make new versions of everything. It's going to be, they're all going to fly a little bit different, but they're going to be like 90% the same. So you might have to, you know, adjust your bag a little bit, but that's kind of what it is. Now, last thing that I've got here to talk about, unless anybody else has got some fun topics to talk about, is going to be the um, the Gavin Rathbun is taking a break and evaluating an injury. So, um, unfortunately, Gavin Rathbun, who's been crushing it on the Pro Tour, had to take some time off after Ledgestone. Uh, he did not do well. He said he's got a nagging shoulder injury in his throwing arm. Uh, and this is a quote from him. Uh, I played this tournament without throwing a sidearm outside of 200 feet. Well, I actually threw one and my arm wasn't ready for it. Uh, this is what Rathbun had said. He made a post on Facebook. I tried to look it up and it is either locked or he deleted it. Uh, it's unfortunate that this is happening and we're seeing more and more in my opinion, we're seeing more and more athletes with injuries because they're not. They're not listening to their bodies. They're trying to do too much and they're not. Uh, how do I how do I say this? Um, they need better medical attention at these tournaments. I'm an advocate of getting an athletic trainer on staff with the pro tour with the PDGA because that's what we do. We evaluate injuries. We tell you that's that's where athletic trainers like myself, that is our sweet spot right there. I can tell you that, you know, yeah, your shoulder's got this nagging injury. Here's some exercises. Here's what we can do. Yes, you can play through it. No, you can't play through it. You know, it's obviously it's my recommendation. It's my advice. What you do, you do. 
But if you have someone on staff that can do that, that can make those quick decisions. I have you don't understand like how fast I have to make decisions, whether an athlete can still play or not play when they get hurt in football or when they get hurt on the basketball court or when they get hurt out at baseball. It all happens. It, it all does. And I have to make those quick decisions real fast. And you can have someone there, you know, hey, you know, my shoulder's bugging me. You come talk to him before or after, you know, maybe during the round, call someone out to the card because, you know, there's guys with walkie talkies everywhere. Try to get them out there and go, oh, yeah, you know, you take a look at your shoulder real quick as you're walking in between the holes. It is possible to do an evaluation in just a few minutes while you're walking to the next hole. It is that possible. I, I believe that the PDGA is doing a, an okay job with their health coverage and trying to promote healthy and safe sport, but they're not doing enough. They don't have, they don't have anyone with sports medicine knowledge on their, on their staff. They have a few other people who are decently qualified. You know, there's, there is a role for a personal trainer, but there's also an important role for an athletic trainer, which two very different things. Um, one, you have to get a master's degree. The other one, you might only need a high school degree, depending on where you get your certification from. There are good ones out there, but there are also some really shady ones out there. And this is another example. Like we've seen Eagle talking about a little bit of a nagging injury in his elbow. He's wearing that sleeve now, which makes me nervous. We saw Simon miss a ton of time with his injury. It's uh, it's just super frustrating that they don't have on. Um, it's just super frustrating with what they do. Um, but yeah, um, uh, Heiser Ponick said uh, relying on a sidearm for long distance shots is a recipe for disaster. Yes and no. Um, that's how I get my a majority of my distance. I know I'm not a touring pro, but. Um, I'd say eight out of 10 times, I'm going to end up throwing a forehand for a distance shot. I do have a backhand. It depends on how I want the disc to finish. You know, there's a whole bunch of different stuff there, but I will throw forehand and I'll give it my all every single time. But we can see that there are right and wrong ways to do it and how you, your technique is everything. And if you're not throwing with the best technique, it's not going to help you. You also need to strengthen all the muscles around your elbow and in your shoulder so you can get the right technique. There are a lot of things that baseball pitchers in particular do to be able to do this. Like, obviously, you know, there is always a risk of injury when you're throwing a forehand. There's a risk of injury for doing a lot of things with disc golf and just being active like that. And so there are exercises you can do to help prevent injury there. You're never going to 100% prevent any injury. It's going to happen. It's not an if, it's a when. It's going to happen. Someone's shoulder is going to get hurt. Someone's back is going to get hurt. Someone's elbow, wrist, hand, finger, whatever, is going to get hurt. That's just how it goes. But there are a lot of things you can do to help prevent that. And some of the stuff that they're doing with Disc Golf Strong is a good idea. But I feel like there's certain holes in their workout programs that I've seen. Um, maybe they're doing more than, than what they've let on, but in general, from what I've seen, there are some holes with some of it. Some things that are pretty basic that you can do. Disc Golf Strong is a huge benefit to the sport and pro players, yes. Um, 
but this requires the top pros to care about warm up routines and doing things properly. Yes, I agree with what Dave said there. Um, Gavin Rathbun is what, 17, 18 years old. And how many of us have thought we were invincible at that age? So I, you know, a little bit of ignorance there. So I get it. Um, if you're throwing sidearms like Big Germ, you'll probably be fine. If you're throwing them like Eagle, uh, get ready for elbow injuries. I've been throwing uh, sidearms closer to Eagle than Big Germ uh, for 10 years now. And I am good, but I've also been in sports medicine for just as long. And I know how to take care of my arm and my body with doing proper warm ups and cool downs. What most of these guys don't realize is that the, the warm up is hugely important, but just as important is doing a proper cool down, getting your body to come down from all that. Um, and then. Uh, and that's just one of the things that they need to do. And it's it sucks. I get it that you just finished around and either it was great or it was bad or somewhere in between. And the last thing you want to do is go do more shoulder exercises, more arm exercises, more things like that. But that is going to help prevent injuries in the long run. It is doing a proper cool down is better than icing. There's plenty of data for that. And most of my data that I get and use for that and my reasoning comes from baseball because like it or not, baseball has more similar motions in terms of the arm mechanics than any other sport here. Uh, Mr. Tight Film said, I heard about a guy that hurt his arm and then tried to throw forearm with his left and blew out his other shoulder. Yeah, that can happen. Um, that that definitely can happen um, because you know, as a right handed person, you've used your right arm for everything for your entire life. And your left arm is just kind of there for the ride. And you go to do that and you think you can do everything with your left as with your right. And it doesn't quite work that way. You haven't built up that muscle and those proper techniques and you need to take it slow. It sucks, but that's how it can go. Um, Dave brings up a good point. Ricky is the model of what a real disc golf pro athlete will be in the future. Uh, he has nutritionist, a tour manager, and a staff of people behind him to make sure. And I agree. Like, it's going to be similar. It, I mean, that's. I'm going to go out on a limb. Like I said before, I don't know much about uh, regular golf, about golf ballers. But I'm assuming that's pretty much what they do. You know, Bubba Watson has all that stuff. A nutritionist is huge. Proper nutrition is great. Um. Proper nutrition is huge with that proper exercises in the off season to get yourself stronger, to be able to, I mean, it's a grind. It's what nine, 10 months long. That's a huge time. Baseball isn't even that long. I mean, if you are going all the way to the world series, yeah, probably it's close to that, but there's a reason why pitchers have a rotation and they only pitch every four or five days. Disc golfers. It's a lot different. I mean, there are a lot of similarities and a lot of differences with that. And what you need to do is have someone around that you can bounce ideas off of, like, and just people to talk to. And like I said, uh, uh, Seth Muncy with Disc Golf Strong is doing a good job with the people who are healthy and people who are near healthy to get them stronger, to be able to survive the entire season, to be able to do well the entire season. But what my position is, you need someone else to complement that 
to go with those guys who are starting to feel a little something going on a little like hey my shoulder's starting to nag me hey my hip my ankle my knee my whatever is starting to bug me a little bit someone that can help with those issues someone that can help keep you healthy help keep you playing at near top physical condition throughout the entire season because the only time you're going to be playing at your top peak there is going to be those first first tournament or two that's when you're feeling your best after that we're just trying to keep you up there at 85 90 percent because it takes its toll driving all over the country throughout the year throwing that much takes its toll on your shoulder on your arm everything there you'd be amazed at how many muscles it takes you to just do all that stuff um ricky had a big scare with lyme disease and is taking his health extremely serious uh plus it is his source of income so he has uh he better protected yeah i agree with dave what he just said there it is like that lyme disease really scared ricky into taking care of his health a lot better and I think more pros should look into taking care of their health better like that. I don't wish Lyme disease or any sickness on anyone, but they should look at what happened to Ricky and go, hey, you know, if I if I want to continue my career, if I want to keep going and keep the longevity going, I need to take care of myself physically, mentally, nutritionally. There's a lot of stuff you can do to get better with that. Now, nutrition is outside of my scope of practice. Sports psychology outside of my scope of practice and and seeing a sports psychologist is not a bad thing. Sports psychology is great. I know a sports psychology in my a sports psychologist in my area that I've sent many athletes to. And it's not because they're crazy or something like that or something weird where you're thinking like, oh, hey, you know, this isn't isn't going to be, um, you know, I'm nuts or whatever. No. What's great about sports psychology and sports psychologists is they help you come up with strategies to overcome like, you know, maybe you've got you're stuck in a rut and you can't quite get that hyzer to do exactly what you want. You can go talk to a sports psychologist and kind of work out what kind of mental block is there. Now, assuming it's a mental block. Now, if you physically can't do that because you're hurt, that's all. That's a different thing. Sports psychology isn't going to help with that. But if it's a mental thing. Going to talk to someone who knows about that and how they can get their strategies. They don't have to be an expert in sport. They're an expert in how to deal with struggles in your sporting life and that kind of stuff and how to get better. They do a ton of stuff there that works with teams and how to get people to work better as a team. Now, obviously, disc golf is an individual sport, but that having a Sports psychologist would also help. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they could do to help make the sport better and make things better for their athletes. And I think a sports psychologist would be a great idea. I'm going to move it back to the physical side of it. Because an athletic trainer would be a perfect fit to be hired on by the PDGA or Disc Golf Pro Tour. Someone who can evaluate all these injuries and help these guys better take care of themselves. These guys and girls take better care of themselves. Um, Yeah, um, Mr. Type Films brings up a good point. Uh, the sports science behind proper form is still being discovered. I think it will be super interesting when someone comes and generalized uh, backhand form. Um, and Dave says Nico needs a sports psychologist. Nico also needs a shot of caffeine with uh, how long he takes 
to do anything it seems um which i find it hilarious if you haven't seen some of the proposed rule changes i'd like to call one of them the nico rule because it basically just says like as soon as the area in front of you is clear 30 seconds there there's no dog barks whoop de doo you still only have 30 seconds you know someone walks in front that's different that will like if somebody walks out in front of the fairway walks by the basket okay your 30 seconds restarts there but once the green area is clear your 30 seconds starts once you're there so nico taking five minutes because a leaf blew and then a fighter uh a spider farted you know 20 yards behind him uh that's that doesn't count anymore um but that's one of the rules changes i'm going to have hopefully a video coming out later this week talking about some of the individual rule changes that could be coming your way they're open for commentary right now you can find those on the pdga page and so on and so forth but yeah that's my soapbox that i get on every time i seem to be talking about injuries because um gavin's probably going to go to his primary care physician and his primary care physician i can bet uh, dollars to donuts i would bet that he says yeah just take two weeks off which is probably not probably is the worst thing you can do now taking time off does help in general however uh, you need to be doing physical therapy you need to be doing those exercises that's something that an athletic trainer can do that's something a physical therapist obviously can do um but if uh, I mean, I don't expect the PDGA to put an orthopedic surgeon on staff because that would be way, way, way too expensive. You get an athletic trainer, fraction of the price, a lot of the same evaluation skills, and they can tell you if it's worth going to see an orthopedic surgeon or doing some formal physical therapy or anything like that. That's just kind of how that goes. But... It is what it is, and that's just kind of how it goes. But I believe that's all I've got for today. I believe that was a great show. Had some great conversations here. Going to be getting more consistent with my streaming schedule now that my schedule in general in real life has kind of evened out, and I'll be able to get out there. Mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. May be able to push it back a little bit if more people are uh, looking to start this a little bit later. I know people over on the West Coast, it's a little early in the morning for you. I believe it'd be about like six in the morning. But otherwise, I've been Joe. You've been awesome. Don't forget to thank Trees this next time you get a great tree kick. And if you have a less than favorable tree kick, you definitely have transgressed against Treesus and you will need to repent and reflect on what you've done wrong and unfortunately I can't play league tonight I have work I will be I have a home volleyball and tennis match that I have to cover volleyball starts at 7 and I work 40 minutes away so unfortunately I can't make it trust me I'd rather be playing league than going to work but hey you know all of you wonderful listeners out there and viewers just you know pay me to do this That's a joke. That's a joke. Don't worry about it. Everybody have a great day, and I can't wait to see you all in the next video, live stream, podcast, whatever it is. Thank you all for watching and listening. You can find everything on anchor.fm slash Joe's Disc Golf, Apple, Google, Spotify, all that fun stuff. It is everywhere there. So thank you all for